Welcome to episode 80 of Checkpoint Chat, special episode, mm-hmm. uh, here with Matty, as oh, always. We, we're so close and intimate this episode. Always. We only have two mics. <laughs> yeah, because our other mic is being occupied by a special guest, um, Neelan. Hello. Neelan Naika, how are you doing? I'm good. I feel so privileged, like having one mic to myself. But you, guys are like, <laughs> you, you get your own mic, the fancy chair. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're basically on top of each other. You just got to be careful with this chair. It's got like little like... I've noticed that. that. Yeah, I've had my elbows spiked a couple Uh, of times already. It it bugs me. I don't know what happened. It has recovered. And in recovering it, they somehow... I don't know. Yeah, it, it gives me a little shock every time. In, in yeah. winter, yeah. it's fine. You don't feel it. In summer, it's like, don't lean down. <laughs> I, I like it. It sort of keeps me on my toes. Like, every time I get a little bit too comfortable, I just get this jolt in my arms. Oh so, my it's God. almost like if you're having, like, a, one of those um, lie detector tests and you want to pass it, you just, like, lean down. Yeah, and exactly. To, like, spike the thing. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Neelan is uh, visiting from South Africa. Well, from the States. You are from South Africa. Uh, from originally. Originally yeah, yeah. from Cape Town or KZN. Kind of, like, a little bit all over, actually. So, uh, I East London is actually where I went to high school. Okay. Um, born in Port Elizabeth, lived and studied in Cape Town. That's like um, Cape Town is basically home because that's where I was before I left the country. It's where I went to to varsity. It was at mm-hmm. UCT. Uh, so yeah. And you yeah. you worked there for a bit before transitioning over to LA. Yeah. So I I studied uh, computer science because I wanted to get into the games industry. I found a cool job with a visual effects company in mm-hmm. Cape Town for like about three or four years. Uh, and then had an opportunity to move to LA and been there ever since for like the last nine years. Work at Naughty Dog. At Naughty obviously. Dog. Yeah. 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 So You've been there for what, six, seven years now? No, nine years nine actually. Years. It's like nine almost, years. yeah. It, it, it blows my mind every time I think wow. about it too, because like, yeah, it'll be 10 years at the end of next year, which is, which is crazy. That's crazy. But yeah. what, what a place to end up in. You don't just go to like some game show, you go end up in Naughty Dog. I, I mean, I've got to be honest. Like, yeah, I, I think about that a lot because it was my, it was the first option to me mm. not the first option to say but like i was such a fan like i came off of like binging uncharted 2 which is actually mm. to date one of the only games i've like played that quickly and you know finished <laughs> that short amount of time i got uncharted 2 i played it over two sessions in two days oh, wow. and was like this game is and it's not a short game as well yeah it's like a 10 it's hour 10 11 hour game something mm. like that um but yeah i was i was just in love with everything those guys were doing and figured like i had to at least try yeah and yeah. because at that time they were hiring um, software that's actually very well used in the visual effects industry. Mm. So it was just this cool, like, right place, right time. I knew the software. They were looking for someone that, because, you know, their stuff yeah. is, like, movie level, like, in yeah. terms of, like, effects quality. So I was just like, yeah, let's let's give this so a go. So the, the visual effects work you did before you joined Naughty Dog, was that for film specifically? Yeah, film okay. and commercials. So the, the studio was, uh, it's called Black Ginger. They're very much still around. Um, they do um, international films, uh, local commercials, international commercials. So pretty much a whole lot. Okay. okay. And it was just, uh, I mean, you said you had always been looking to get into the games industry. So it wasn't just like, oh, I know the software, so I'm, I can move to Naughty Dog. Was it just a case of like, you saw the job opening, you're like, what the hell, I'm going to try it out. I think there was a point in time, I think around, around about, you know, around about the time I was applying where I was very much actively pursuing, um, uh, video game stuff. So I was doing remote, a little bit of remote work for some studios in the US that was actually more on the visual effects side, just okay. closer to okay. what I was doing. Uh, and then, like I said, I just sort of stumbled upon, upon uh, sorry, stumbled upon the uh, Naughty Dog job posting and thought, well, man, Shit, I have yeah. to try mm. this. Yeah. Um, it, it, I can't, it's funny because my memory of it is fuzzy, but I don't remember like if I was just actively like scouring like uh, studio websites or anything like that. But mm-hmm. somehow this came up um, and it was like, I do think it's really funny because uh, prior to me meeting you, I mean, I met you because you 
good friends with uh, David and Garth and mm -hmm. a lot of people here in South Africa. Um, and I met you during one of my E3 trips. Um, but I remember I knew another South African at Naughty Dogger, Judd Simitov. Yes. And apparently he left just before you arrived. Yeah. So, so Judd was in some ways like a lot of my in-way into the industry in mm -hmm. a couple of ways. Because I remember watching the, um, like the behind-the-scenes stuff on mm -hmm. the Uncharted games and seeing Judd pop up and be like, oh my gosh, there's a South African at this amazing video game studio. Uh, and then not only that, like he actually knew a bunch of people that I was working with in the uh, visual effects industry here okay. in, in okay. Cape Town. Um, so it just felt like this okay, I can get in touch with this guy. And like, he ended up being in my interview and sort of just, you know, helping accommodate me in the earlier parts. But then I showed up and it was like literally his last day or something. <laughs> so it, it felt like there was this one South African in, one that, South African that, out rule. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Not, so now you just got to be careful for when the next South African <laughs> exactly. applies. Like, they're going to be like, Elon, it's Sorry, time. Yep. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. We, we only have a one quota. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you've been there for nine years. Um, the first game you worked on then must have been Uncharted, Uncharted 3, 3 yeah. yeah so I, I came on in the middle of development <clears throat> on Uncharted 3 okay yeah. and so then you've been on every single project since pretty much because and I don't <clears throat> think it's that uncommon so at the time I joined uh, they had just started experimenting with the idea of being a two game studio I think until mm. that point they had just been one project, one project, one project. So like Amy Hennig's team and Neil Druckmann's team. Exactly, because okay. at that time, because it would have been the first Last of Us. Okay, yes. Um, so as Uncharted 3 wrapped up, it was weird because there's this whole game that's sort of happening in, in parallel. And they were. it wasn't that they were like being cage of it. It wasn't supposed to be secretive. But for whatever reason, I wasn't that exposed to it. I sort of was seeing stuff in the background occasionally. Mm. But then I remember quite distinctly there was the day with like, hey guys, we have our first trailer that we just want to show to you guys in the studio. Oh and shit, just like that, okay. On, and I was just like... <laughs> Oh man, this looks Surprise. awesome! Surprise! Okay. Yeah. and it, it was the same. It was the same public trailer, which is just like Ellie and Joel like running around a hotel. Mm. Oh, I do remember that, that yeah. trailer. It was, it was a yeah. really, really neat, like a good showcase of like what the game sort of is. Uh, and that was my first like exposure to The Last of Us at all. But then because that game was still being worked on for I think maybe like a year, year and a half after Uncharted Three shipped, so my team moved over entirely to that. So yeah, I've kind of touched everything mm -hmm. since then at that point. So on on Twitter, you. Um you put your job title as a technical artist. Yeah. What does that sort of entail? Because even when you described it to me, I was like, okay, I kind of get what you're talking about. Like you do video game stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> video game tech. No, no, it's such a, it's such a loaded term because it also mm. means a lot of different things with a lot of different studios. Mm. Um, I think in general, I think the broadest thing that categorizes it is you're generally involved in some way in development of tools for okay. artists to use. Okay. Um, it also means a different thing in the visual effects industry and in that you'd be more doing more technical effects work. So what's interesting is like when I started, that's kind of more what it meant. I was doing like simulation type effect work closer to what I was doing in the VFX industry. So mm -hmm. Uncharted 3, all the Uncharted games, as you guys know, are like big things falling apart all of the time. Like literally mm. anything like Nathan Drake touches like crumbles. <laughs> and that was like kind of a lot of what my job was, was like simulating buildings collapsing and walls all the little breaking. Handholds that break. Exactly. Yeah. Everything like that, that basically disintegrates as you touch it. Um, so that was like a lot of what I was doing on that game, but it became me gearing into the role because I have a computer science background of developing either tools for other artists in my department to use or in other de departments. So a lot of what we started pushing after Uncharted 3 was moving away from everything being simulated like that to just live physics all the time. Oh, wow. So like um, a lot of times if something now breaks in one of our more recent games, it's being solved in the real time physics engine. Like and I developed a lot of the tools that make it easier for us to get that stuff to into implement the that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I think uh, one of the big ones um, I always talk about whenever I mention it is uh, in Uncharted 
four Ooh. the little sandbags that kind of like deflate yes which is really really <laughs> yeah. cool that yeah. was like one of my pet projects yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. very cool Be- because yeah, that, that's like a mix of it being like actual physics and then some that was actually a cool hybrid of both of those yeah. worlds actually because like they they simulate when they deflate but then they also move around when they get they shot, also have so. to like uh yeah they have to react to like new bullets coming exactly in and stuff like exactly that. that's really cool yeah. but it's a cool i think it's a cool overlap between like you're programming and you're also creating like a very visual effect for that programming that you can see. Right. Um, because I mean, often uh, when you're programming things, you sometimes you're doing backend stuff or services that support something, but you don't actually see it moving in the real like space. Yeah. I think that there's often like a, a lot of stuff can go unnoticed or sort of like unappreciated when you're in, in like a, um, especially games programming. It's one of those things where obviously everything that is so crucial to everything you enjoy about a game is by these really, and at Naughty Dog, like they're some of the most talented people in the world, but most people playing the game don't see that stuff firsthand. Mm. Like it's stuff that's behind the scenes, like the AI and like, just like the physics systems, the underlying systems. Um, but what, what you like to say, what I appreciated about my role is that it's a little bit of a hybrid. I have like visual touch points. That I can be like, that's the thing I did, but then it's also just a little bit more behind the scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, I, I mean, it's it's really cool. And you've been there nine years, so you've kind of like, you've seen the whole process now from start to finish how games are, are kind of developed. Is there is there something that kind of surprised you when you first started about how, like sort of like a misconception on how you think games were developed? I, I think so. I think the main one for me, there's a couple of things. It's A, um, the extent to which how late in production games feel like games because uh one of the things that's surprising is when you're sort of doing uh especially when you're doing uh public demos right it's generally like a very small section of the game that you could get to a high level of polish meanwhile there are whole systems that like aren't implemented yet mm-hmm. uh or um or whole levels that just aren't you know at a, Ready, at a playable yeah. level exactly uh like i think most people would be surprised that if you were to look at a game a year before it comes out how much of it barely looks like a video game it's mm. like how could anyone like even play this and meanwhile that is getting like designed and play tested and iterated on but it's not in a way that would look like any mm. game that could be released um and that stuff tends to happen like in the last few months mm-hmm, like yeah. uh, you know mm-hmm. like i guess unless it's like a public showing it just all happens like really uh, really late my, my only um well i mean i'm not in the industry obviously but the only case study i've seen is um the documentary on god of war um uh, i don't know if you ever watched it on youtube but i haven't yet actually i really want the, to the, so, the, the, the one that they released the, 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 yeah, like the hour-long one yeah, yeah yeah so it was basically Corey barlog and their team like building up to this e3 demo where what they showed of God of War was like that 10, 15 minute gameplay. Okay. And they spent like a year or something doing just that. Yeah. And after they're like, oh shit, like now we have to do the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, damn. The rest yeah. of the game to that degree Yeah, as to well. that sort yeah. of level. Right. And then that, that's the scariest thing is that you're, you're sort of establishing your public visual quality bar and it's like, oh yeah, now we have the rest of the game. Exactly. So when, so often you get these news stories where it's like, um, Oh, developer X, they're able to play their new game from start to finish. Like, generally, is that like, oh, they can play from start to finish, but it's like completely uh, unfinished assets around their black box stuff. Yeah, like. yeah exactly. Uh, <coughs> like, just to give you guys like a, uh, like a sort of a rough idea of what that looks like. And also, one thing that's important is that like, whenever I'm playing the game, even at any point, even until like it's released, I'm typically playing without headphones or sound mm. at all. Uh, and I can't emphasize enough, like, 
how much sound makes a game actually feel, feel like so a game actually, at all. Like, yeah, yeah the first so time weird. you actually play it with the music and the sound effects and everything, it's almost just like transformative. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, you immediately feel in a game when you know there's like an audio bug, it's like, there should be a soundtrack. Right, right, Something exactly. should be, yeah. 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 And, and then, so like, like you said, like typically what we try to get to very early, obviously t- before we can start even focus testing it, the game has to just be at least in some way playable from start to finish or at least in huge chunks. But what that typically looks like is it's just, like you said, like what we would call a block mesh. So gray boxes that are just like defining the shape of the levels. Here's a wall, here's a corridor, here's an area. Um, you know, some of the systems are maybe in there, enemies are in there because a lot of that stuff can be, you know, in some way ported at least initially from the previous game. Um, so it will sometimes happen, for example, where... Um, you're running around with just like the previous game's character model or something. Oh, okay. Or just using the previous game's enemies because that's an easy way to sort of mm. get up and running in the initial, in the initial get, uh, sorry, in the initial going until like you're developing the new, uh, the new art, the new assets, the new character, so that sort of you thing. you mean to tell me Uncharted 4 had clickers at one stage? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I know. I think I saw in the Horizon Zero Dawn documentary they were using like uh, Killzone, Killzone uh, enemy assets right. when they were first like building I, things. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so then essentially you've got that and then that you can kind of give to playtesters and curators start going, okay, like, or, or, or at least people who are going to critique the design right. of the thing. Because you know? a lot of that is just important to like establish, does the game flow, does the pacing work? You know, how how do we, you know, where do we want to have the high moments of tension, the low moments of tension, quiet moments, story beats, like you sort of get that ironed out early because you can tell just by the way the players are engaged, even when it's like in that early process, mm. whether you're getting like the pace and the flow of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times at that point, what I, what I appreciate is, at Naughty Dog at least, is because we're so story forward, like the creators generally have a good idea of what the flow of the story is. So they know where the beats need to be, mm. where like the, the peaks, of the, you know, the crescendos and that sort of thing. And they can also, can they establish from that point like, oh, Maybe this portion goes on for too long. Exactly okay. that. Exactly that. Because like if you have, okay, we know that there needs to be a cutscene here, okay. followed by, okay, well then we need to start building up the tension again with like, you know, a smaller wave of combat and a bigger wave of combat, then a bigger wave of combat mm. and so on, mm. that sort of thing. And that's that's the sort of thing that you can sort of do even at that stage, even though the game doesn't look like anything except like something from the Matrix. Like just <laughs> just gray all the gray boxes lines, everywhere. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um it's you know, seeing games like that and seeing that process, because not you—you you were mentioning earlier that not every studio follows that sort of um, approach. Like some studios might have completely different pipelines to how they do things. But does it give you an appreciation when you play another game and you go, "Huh, they must have really focused on this portion for like a long time." Can you identify those sort of things? I, I think so. It's funny that you mentioned it because I, I feel like I, I like to. It, okay, one of the things that's the, that's I found the hardest about um, working at Naughty Dog, especially as someone that was a prior fan of theirs, it's it's so hard to come back and appreciate the game mm. after you're, when you're playing it. But I think I'm decently okay at like turning my brain off a little when I'm playing other people's games. Okay, because like, you sort of have to. Like I don't want to feel like I'm in that sort of mindset mm. even when I'm mm. trying to relax. These sandbags uh, aren't realistic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, but but I, I think that there are some examples of that. Like I think like it was clear to me at least. I I don't even know if this is true, but it, my impression of playing God of War, for example, mm. is that once you got to like there's that big section where the you know, where it opens up for the first time and you get Mm. to the lake and you're on the boat. And the thing that's so smart about that whole level 
is it changes over the course of the game. Like basically the water level lowers and more stuff mm. gets revealed. And it seemed to me that this must have been like one of their early ideas. And that they sort of, they established that, they sort of iterated that, they sort of had to build a lot of the game design around mm. how that whole section is going to get revealed. And I don't know if that's true, mm. yeah, but my that's my assumption at least. And I feel like, that may not be something that's necessarily apparent to everyone, but like when you start to think about how all these systems and all these levels have to connect to each mm. other, just from like a d- design and iteration standpoint, mm. I assume it had to have been like a long like you, time. You, you can't think they would have thought of that a year before shipping, being like, okay, we can retrofit. Exactly. Everything. Oh, no, that, yeah, no, that's no not way. something you slapdash into the game <laughs> yeah, like yeah. halfway through. Exactly. Yeah. That <laughs> seems to me like that must have been like an early. I have this idea thing. for a giant snake. Can, <laughs> yeah. can we just uh, program that in quickly? Yeah, let's yeah. just, just <laughs> a snake that kind of moves around yeah. the whole bloody <laughs> yeah. map. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's really cool that you still get to play other games and appreciate them. What are sort of some of the most noteworthy ones you've played? I think over this generation, because I mean, you've essentially been with. <clears throat> with Naughty Dog since the start of this gen mm-hmm. and now getting to the end of it. Yeah. Um, well, let me think. I, I think uh, I, I hate to sort of like toot the Sony horn, but God of War absolutely yeah, was like yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, like that's, a, that's a showcase piece. It, it really, really, really is. is. Yeah. I, I feel like it, it's tough because I feel like whenever I say that to people, they're people like, oh, you, of course you're going to say that. You're the Sony guy. <laughs> like, Sony no, no, no. shill, God. <laughs> yeah. Trust me though. This one's real special. Like mm. it, it, it literally like entered my top 10, like, you know, whatever mm. that means. Like, right after I played it. It just felt really, really special to me. It just in terms of being like such a good balance of like world building yeah. and great character action. Oh, yeah. And so at least attempting, I don't think it nails everything story-wise, but it's it's sort of a, at least attempt to sell a much more mm. interesting story than your, your average, average I think, game. I think what people um, like forget about that game is that even though it is another entry in an established franchise, it very much feels like a completely new IP. Yeah, but, but here's the thing I think is so smart about it. it. Not only does it feel like a new IP, but it, it has enough connective tissue to the old games that it rewarded, like as someone that did like the previous mm. trilogy, it rewarded my appreciation of that because yes. there's, there's so many little touch points. It, it is nice. I really like that they didn't completely disconnect from the old trilogy. Yeah. I mean, it is the foundation of like, if I often say to people, if you've never played the original trilogy, like, do yourself a favor, at least watch, like, a 10-minute, you know, mm. like, catch-up. Because you need to, you'll appreciate the game so much more if you know why Kratos is, like, the way he right, is. Right, exactly. I mean, you could come in blank, no problem. Yeah. But shit, you get a way bigger appreciation. Like, why is this guy so moody and, like, so whatever? And you're like, oh, I've played the previous trilogy. That's why. He's got this whole weight on him. And it just elevates the game Totally. Because mm, yeah. it's such a big part of, like, of his character in the mm. new game is, like, building on like how much stuff he's gone through oh, in the damn. previous games All the bad things he did <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <bad> exactly <things. laughs> uh but and but, it makes like big moments hit like yeah, a lot harder right like, the right. one probably in the middle of the game or whatever but like if you have no sort of touchstone with who kratos is the moment's still good but it is a completely different thing right you know that journey. yeah, yeah. And, and they they do smart things like uh like playing with just like music stings from the mm. previous games like at the oh, right yeah. times yes. and yeah, like stuff like really that yeah. yeah uh other than that like I'm, I'm struggling to like remember what is specifically this generation gone home is that this generation technically or is that yeah. last year yeah i would say that's definitely this uh, generation because i feel like that sort of and maybe this is like more tail end of the ps3 even but like the the rise of the quote unquote walking simulators mm. like smaller games I, are doing more this, meaningful this generation stories. i think it's saw a, a surgeons of those definitely kind of games, definitely yeah. narrative heavy yeah um, yeah mess, less mechanically focused games right and, right and I think that that has led to, which has been my biggest surprise of this generation, is games like Outer Wilds, yes. where yeah. you, it's a game that is like entirely built around 
um, you just discovering like I kind of call them like information games. Like mm. Oberdin is like one of my favorites. Of I this still as well. need to play Oberdin. Oberdin yeah. is so good. Oberdin is incredible because like what's smart and The Witness also like one of my favorites is what's so smart about them is that all that's changed between you starting and finishing the game is just the stuff you've learned. Mm. So if you were to go back and play it immediately, you could like literally just blaze through it because it's it's about accumulating knowledge. It's mm. about learning and discovering, uh, and that's been awesome for me. Like that, it's such it almost feels like a new genre a little yes. bit to me. I would love to see what the Outer Wilds people do next. That, that's the that's the thing. We were just chatting about our favorite games of the year, and Outer Wilds is my favorite game of this oh, year. Purely, spoiler for next year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, purely f- for that reason, I was explaining to Matthew, it's like, pro- the prog- it's not a standard progression thing. It's not ticking things off a checkbox. It's like, you are coming to understand this space better, and that is how you are progressing. Right, right. It's, like, it's, I think they are giving a, what is their name, Mobius game um, studio, something like that? I do know this. I can't remember. But they are giving a talk at GDC next year about what they call the 4D design of their world. Okay. And I'm just like fascinated to hear because it's just so, like you said, it's so interlinking and interlocking. Like that game blew, blew me away. Like so came out of nowhere. You've not played it yet? I haven't played it. Oh I my need God. To, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like you said, it's just like they, they're so smart. Like there's a little brief like tutorialization at the beginning, mm. but then it's just like go somewhere mm. and they don't tell you anything, but then they start to like, like, give you little breadcrumb trails of like, yeah. okay, if I do this, then this might lead to something interesting. And just, yeah. it's about just following, picking one of those trails and just going with it. That's awesome. And because like, <laughs> even like, you know, even right before I finished the game, they were like, a whole there was a whole planet that I just never been to because it's like you could just do anything in whatever mm. order and somehow it still like works. Mm. It's really, really cool. And there's just some moments in there. Like I got to a planet, I'd explored it quite a bit. And then I came across this like, this like uh, singularity or black hole or whatever. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and I landed in there and then I landed somewhere I'm like where am I <laughs> yeah. like what the hell and then it was like two minutes before the sun was exploding and I was like oh fuck like, what, <laughs> yeah. what have I done like I just ruined this whole life right, and then right. I come back to it and it's like oh wait okay let me go back there see what happens you just like it rewards you poking and prodding yeah, so well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's almost like a like a game about like experimentation. It's mm. like, oh, that was interesting. Did I just see that? And then you try it again. It's like, oh my god, this is totally yeah. a thing. Yeah. And then it, it pays off it's, like that curiosity. Yeah, I, I, there's so many things I want to say, but like me, no. me saying it completely, <laughs> totally. like discovering those things naturally is intrinsic to that game. Mm, it's, yeah. I'll play it. It's what it eventually yeah. is. Great. Such yeah, a yeah. great. Add it to the backlog. It's right. I do <laughs> know the very first time I met you, you told me to play the Talus Principle. Yeah. I still have not played it. I, I was like, this one actually surprised me because so I, <coughs> I, I wish I had it handy right now, but I actually had recently was just looking at my, my favorite games of the decade and Talus Principle was in my top 10 and it's a game that for whatever reason, I, I remember loving at the time, but it just like slipped from my memory a little bit because I don't remember like telling people since then, hey, you have to play this. But it, it's, it's like a puzzle it's a first person puzzle game I think it's most obvious parallel is Portal mm. because it's very much you go into they're not rooms but you go into a little section you solve a puzzle mm. you get the you reward on, you yeah. move to the, to the next room you get a little puzzle but it also lets you do them in any order you want to okay. so it's smartly designed where you know there's a correct order in terms of what it's trying to teach you but um, all of that is like sort of secondary because like yeah it's a really good puzzle game but the thing that's so smart about it is it has this actually really really neat sci-fi story that's like below the surface okay and it like doesn't like put it in your face but it starts to creep in at the edges of the game okay. and you're just like wow this is about so much more than i thought it was and then even just like the puzzles are like integrated into what mm. the game is about it's 
really clever. It's on. It's on Switch. It's now. on. It's on. I think it's on everything. Yeah, it came on. It's out on Switch. It just like came on Switch two weeks yeah. ago. Awesome. Or something like that. Yeah, well, like then perfect. On Switch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's a great opportunity. I, I, to I think when we spoke about it, I immediately bought it on Steam. But like, I have so many games on Steam that <laughs> I haven't band. like played yeah. yet. I, I think I I tweeted Mike Bissell a while back where I was like. I bought volume like three years ago and I haven't played it. It's like, you're the best type of customer because you can't complain about my game. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got so, your money, but don't, yeah. No yeah, issues. he's like, please carry on doing this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I know, like you seem to enjoy a lot of these puzzle-centric games. We have very similar taste in games, I think. Like Witness Yeah, I'd say so. Oberdin as well. You, I think you said you played Disco Elysium. I have. I need to know more about this okay. game. Okay, I, I'm so excited to talk about this. I, I okay. was going to jump into this at some point. Because <laughs> as much as I've been raving about Outer Wilds, I, I haven't finished this. I don't want to like jump the gun in this, but I think Disco Elysium might actually be my game of the year. Okay. Uh, and like, that's, like I said, super unfair of me to say... I've only played about half of it, and then I left the country with a laptop <laughs> that I've since discovered can't actually play You're Disco Elysium. Like, oh, wow. Seriously? So, yeah, so okay. I'm I, I'm not going to get back to it until I get just, back to the just US. Just to be clear, did you leave the country because it is so good? You're like, I have to just take a break. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, you know, I'm just I'm getting through this too quickly. I just I'm leaving. Blow my mind. Exactly. Uh, I don't even know where to start with Disco Elysium. Okay, let's start here. It is basically a classic rpg so we're talking mm. like Baldur's gate planescape torment sort of top down yeah, isometric yeah like exactly okay. so it's uh, you click around to move your guy that sort of thing there's no combat in it it's all oh. dialogue because you basically just have and i could be i don't know if there's more characters but you have yourself and a partner basically mm. so there's no you're not collecting a team like you would in those sort of games um it's a game that is fundamentally built around dialogue it's a lot of text mm -hmm. you have to be willing to like go down like 15 level deep conversation trees mm. in order to uncover things about it uh on the surface the game is just like a murder mystery it's got a kind of noir feel but it's like an alternate universe type thing it's, mm. it's okay. not exactly earth but it's kind of got parallels it reminds me sort of like dishonored almost in a way it's that sort of vaguely steampunkish sort okay. of world it's not quite steampunk but it's sort of like adjacent to that yeah okay. it does feel a little bit like dishonored uh, here's where it gets weird though. When you start the game, you sort of you're picking your your basic skills. Like so far, so RPG. But these are like just like thought processes as, as every as every skill. So they're divided into four categories that are like um, logic, I think, psych, uh, mm -hmm. dexterity, and strength, I think, roughly. Okay. But they all correlate to different like uh, ways that your mind thinks. So one skill might be. Um, like your logic skill. One skill might be your imagination skill. One is uh, how your quick your reactions are. Um, you, one is your ability to, it's called electrochemistry, like how good you are at like physical traits, I guess. Electrochemistry, okay. Oh, no, okay. no, sorry, actually, no, I lie. Electrochemistry, I think, is your affinity for drugs, actually. Which <laughs> Sweet, is, psychedelics. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> it's the sort of thing, like, if you have a high electrochemistry, so you'll know when people are either, like, high or, like, <laughs> what drugs they're on. Okay. and we're, we're Great for a detective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is actually, yeah, it turns out pretty useful. But here's what the best thing about it is, these all these skills mm. start to talk to you at certain points in the game so you might just be and i mean like literally having conversations with you so i and here's like one quick okay. example you'll like um uh you early in the game you sort of wake up in this hotel and uh similar to a game so similar to planescape torment they use like amnesia as this mechanic to not only just shape who your character is a little bit but just like have it a mystery of who you are and why you're there that sort of thing um your tie, like your necktie, is just hanging from the ceiling, and you're about to grab for it, and your logic skill talks to you and is like, 
hey, bro, like, there's maybe a reason that we put that yeah. out of reach. Maybe it's like your mortal enemy or something, <laughs> oh which makes sense, yeah. but doesn't feel exactly right. So it's like, you don't know if you can trust your own thoughts okay. who are constantly oh, wow. just like chipping in with their opinions on things. It's so weird. It's like a fractured memory. Yeah, because you're, you're, huh. you're, it's like a, you're trying to piece together what happened, but you're obviously also just very messed up. Like you're, you're, you're like basically like in, in a, you know, a mentally unwell person but you don't exactly know why or how or how you mm. got this way or which thoughts are like good thoughts, bad which thoughts, you trust. which you sure. can trust. Okay, okay. And it's so smart because you'll have conversations with people and you'll realize your thoughts might've been leading you astray because of the person you're talking to. And you don't exactly know why. And it's, it's really this clever. This sounds like incredibly that. complex from a yeah. writing it, but standpoint. It, it really must be because the, the other thing I've heard is that depending on like your choices, like whether you're playing as like someone that's, super like neat headed like strength focused you're getting completely different dialogue from mm. the people that are like more you know logic intelligent focused so they've almost like written the game like i don't know two three times over just for each like <laughs> character oh, style shit. it's it's such an incredible writing undertaking mm. and like on top of that just the the style of writing is like so good it just it feels like you're reading like the, a weird novel like mm. it's it's so good and it's funny. So it's like oh a, a role-playing... I mean, I don't want to call it a visual novel because a visual novel doesn't have mm. as much agency yeah. as you'd like it. But like the thing I've got from people who've spoken about it is like they think this is what role-playing should be because it's actually you are playing a specific role. That, You're not just selecting a type of combat. And, and that's exactly it, yeah. And, and it's, it's smart. Like Jimmy Hardy does, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I do. Exactly, <laughs> Um, that's like my favorite thing about it is, uh, you're sh very much shaping the character you're playing. It, it is, it does feel like the purest sense of role playing, like in that your character is just like this, literally like a blank slate. Like uh, play, I don't know if you guys have played Planescape Torment, by the way. I, no, I haven't. It's no. also, it's one of my favorite games. They've also just got a Switch re-release this year. In oh. fact, so worth going back to. If any of this sounds appealing and you play Disco Elysium and like it, play Planescape Torment. It's also incredible. But it, it's a smart system because it lets you, lets you invent the character you're playing while you're playing the game mm. you don't have to like do that much legwork up front it's more just like you're slowly discovering what your character is mm. yeah i think one of the coolest bits i heard about it uh, i can't remember which podcast i heard but there's a moment at the beginning of the game where uh you your character's like looking in a mirror and you can choose to clean it to like see your reflection better and if you don't your your player character's portrait in the ui is like constantly oh, wow. obscured yeah. <laughs> so you never know what you look like right. for the rest oh of the game and th that, oh, that's cool. like so, like same what, what you know in line with what i was saying earlier like you, yeah you go to up to the mirror and your imagination's like hang on you, you there's a good reason you don't want to see this <laughs> oh wow and you're just like oh man do i want to see this don't <laughs> i want to see this and like you're not sure what that even means but like you said like if you don't yeah you're just grayed out I, for the rest i mean of the game. it's such a small touch and it probably has no bearing on the rest of the story but it's like Wow, they accounted for that, yeah. and it's that's nice really cool. Though, yeah. yeah, it really is. And weirdly, actually, do you think it does? It might actually have some oh, bearing on points of the game. <laughs> okay. that's, that's the weird thing. Oh, it does feel like, in some ways, every small thing has been like connected. Like a character's like, "Man, what happened to your face?" And you're like, "I don't know. I can't see it." <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So I, I was like, uh, quite because I mean, I love Jeff Keighley's Game Awards, but I do think in the past years they've they've awarded games to popular votes and not really the ones that deserve it. So. Well, I no, Outer Wilds. Yeah, nominated. Well, you, you well, no, shocked. Outer Wilds was nominated for the indie games, but got oh, beaten right. up by Disco Elysium every okay, time. Okay, yeah. sure, sure, sure. But like, it like it wasn't put in best direction or best like things that I thought it. 
the, the thing the thing that I, bugs me the most is like we had a best mobile award and it went to Call of Duty and I was just like oh my god mm. <laughs> yeah. like I like that port of the game but we had amazing mobile games this year right like I mean so, we had basically like a whole genre come to the forefront yeah. of literally mobile, like heard. Underworlds and Underworld, and uh, yeah we had like Auto Chess we yeah. had uh, we had like Grindstone you had great games like Assemble with Care it's actually right. weird now that you mentioned <clears> that there were no Auto Chess yeah it's a whole genre and, and it's a huge genre yeah, it's, like it's doing like actually, crazy well about that. yeah oh. so hmm. you know given that like Disco Leasing won four awards at the Game Awards the, one, the most out of any game yeah and, and I was just shocked because I was like this is a game that doesn't seem like it should grab the like the general populace like it should grab people who are really into the writing of games like like Planescape and Divinity they are great games and they have an audience but they're not like these blockbusters yeah but Disco Elysium feels like Oh, everyone is talking about this game. It, it is interesting because, like, I, I still think, like, as much as I'm raving about it, I want to caveat by saying that it won't be for everyone. Like, mm. like I said, it, it, you you have to be ready to devote a lot of, like, just, you know, it, it's a, it's a text-heavy game. You have to be willing to, like, do a lot of reading, a lot of exploring. It's a game that sort of is more about what you put into it. Sometimes the subject matter can be, like, dense. Like, it, there's actually a, a heck of a lot of just, like, political stuff mm. in it uh, in terms of just like exploring a bunch of different political ideologies in quite a text heavy way mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's I, I know a lot of people bounce off of it very quickly because of th- there is stuff with language in it that is I don't want to say problematic because I want to I, I want to give the developers the benefit of the doubt to say that they know what they're doing it doesn't feel like it's just offensive for the sake of being it they're they're creating a world mm. and letting you with you engage with it how you choose to. Okay. But yeah. I, I think it, there are definitely going to be some people that would play it and be put off by it. Um, mm. But I think if anything I've said sounds appealing at all, like it's definitely worth checking out at the very least. And yeah, I, I was surprised as well to see like how well it did at the Game mm. Awards because it does feel super niche. I mean, classic mm. RPGs haven't been a thing. Yeah, that's, for, that's like incredibly forever. niche. I mean, yeah. not, not to this, it's not quite the same degree, but I was. Sh- not shocked, but surprised that Sekiro actually won Game of the Year. Not, yeah. not for any other reason other than it's Sekiro. It's a very, like, again, a niche inverted commas. A lot of people played it, but it's still, it's, it's a hard game that a lot of people might overlook in favor of the more popular, like, sure. mm. Control or Resident Evil 2, whatever. And it won. So it was an interesting year for uh, Worlds. I mean, Disco Elysium getting four. I don't think anyone expected, right. like, maybe one or two, but it got more awards than, like, Death Stranding, for right. example. So it's like... Wow. <laughs> Even that alone is like, shit, I want to try this game. Just give it a Just go. Just based on that, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that, that's essentially... I, it's weird, though, because I had received emails about that um, before it launched a while, and... Just by the name, I was like, what the fuck is yeah, this? The, name, like, the name's weird, though. The, the like, name doesn't really give, like, off what it really is, because I just saw Disco, and I was like, oh, this is some rhythm game. So I, like, glossed over it. <laughs> dance, and then dance, people yeah, are talking about this so. thing. They're like, oh, this amazing story game called Disco Elysium. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, what the hell? A dance game with a story, finally. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's a Crypt of the Necrodancer with a tactical, well, an RPG put into it. So, no, that's I, I bought it immediately um, when it was on sale on Steam, so... I just need to find, like you said, you need to be in the right headspace to be mm. really into the reading and really dig into it. Yeah, totally. It, it's certainly, like I said, I, I I regret a little bit that I'm breaking it up over the course of a three-week holiday that I mm. won't be able to get back to. Um, but because I do think it's a game that wants your full attention, if you can. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's just unlike anything I've played in a mm. very, very long time. It's different, which yeah. is cool. It's weird. Though. We, we got... I, a lot of people keep saying 2019 was a disappointing year. And Hell no. I just was... think they're relating it to 2018, which was like extremely good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've had games this year. I don't think all the big like 
AAA blockbusters really hit this year. I think year. that's it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But we've had games this year that have completely rewritten how I think about adventure games with Outer Wilds and now Disco Elysium with RPG. Mm. So I think it's a really strong, almost last send-off for the gen. Sure. Mm. What was Celeste this year? No, it was last Celeste was, yeah, Celeste's yeah. final chapter came out this year. Oh, okay. yeah. uh, that is spoiler. That is my favorite game of the year, only because I played it this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, we make our own rules here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I was going to say that it does, it does feel like, yeah, there were these surprise games that just sort of came mm. out of nowhere mm. and just blew me but away even, this year. Even on Celeste, for example, the fact that last year it was nominated alongside mm-hmm. the likes of God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2 for Game of the Year, it's like this little indie yeah. platform up with those games it's just incredible right so mm. sure. that's exciting um and i mean now we're moving into the end of the gen like next year is going to be like everyone showing off what they can do before the next consoles come out um what are you i mean the first four months are ridiculous what are you excited <laughs> about going into next year so far i mean well let me tell asi- you about aside the from last <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no, tell no, us no. about the playstation <laughs> 5 that's no, why yeah. we brought you here. <laughs> uh, i don't know anything about the playstation 5 Damn um it. <laughs> yeah but i think it's an exciting it's certainly an exciting time like look generation changeovers are always mm, always awesome. very exciting yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly like microsoft is having unveiled their their new Xboxes. Mm. Actually, I mean, just I'm talking about that, about the that fact thing. that they happened at the Game Awards. Yeah, I was so, like, yeah. at first I was like, that's weird. And then I saw Jeff Keighley being like, hey, 45 million people watch this thing. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. okay yeah. cool. Got that, it. That, yeah, that yeah. makes yeah. a lot of sense. Spencer did the right, good call there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's obviously going to be, it's going to be awesome to see what that means for just the stuff we're going to be seeing like people are talking about like the power of the new consoles as if they're a whole you know i mean yeah we, we hope a generational leap it's like, sounding more and more like a generational leap than i would have expected exactly yeah. because there was there has been the sense that what a generational leap means has been you know somewhat mm. diminishing and mm. computing power being what it is just slightly mm. diminishes in its impact over time but uh yeah i mean i'm excited to see what that means for the next you know the next line mm-hmm. of games, i think sure. i think beyond the power i think what's generally being a bit underplayed maybe because people don't understand it is like um the effect of uh, ray tracing right that has, like we've yeah. all experienced it on pc but now that it's coming to consoles it's going to have this much broader um, mm, audience impact, and also yeah. like because it's being supported in more places more developers are going to get on board with it and to me that has been the game changer like hdr and stuff was always like oh this is nice, nice. Know, but ray tracing matty was saying earlier he played control and turned it off just to see and it feels you, like a completely you can't different go game back. it's yeah. like once you have it on it's like the jump from the only example i had is like from normal to hd yeah when you go to non-edged like oh like i can't see a thing it's so blurry even though you obviously can <laughs> but uh putting ray tracing off it's like Oh, this game's kind of ugly. It's not that it is, no, but no. it's like, sure. But, but, but that, that, that's the thing. It's, it's funny, like, because Control is a great example where, like, it, you, like you say, when you turn it off, it, I mean, it looks good. It's really good, But yeah. it looks like every other video game. Mm. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, absolutely. Mm. But, like, the... The, the, what the RTX features do, what the ray tracing features do, is it just gives it so much like more That's life and life, pop. Yeah. It's like there are literally like moments in control that could be photos, like just mm. how how oh, yeah. realistic, like mm. the, like glass that's like reflecting and yeah, translucent. That, that's at the same actually what's what really sold the RTX to me. So obviously, when you start the game. You're in the lobby of the the old the old house, old, uh, the uh, oldest house, oldest yeah, house. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked at the ground. I was like, "Ooh, that's a very reflective floor." But it's only late in the game when you start getting to like the little office spaces with the glass. Yeah, you, like walk up to it and you see a reflection looking back at you. Like, "Whoa, okay, yeah. this is it's like it's unlike anything I've seen before." Right, and right. you have to see it to really believe it. Totally, so, yeah. 
and, and yeah. talking talking about like back to what we were saying about earlier actually Uncontrol <laughs> is one of those games where I did have to get my my sort of work hat on a little bit because you run into those games that's not like <laughs> blasting and like everything's just flying everywhere like it's a physics <laughs> playground oh so, yeah like, that must have yeah. actually appealed to you quite yeah. a bit yeah so I was just like man I just want to see how everything breaks apart in this game because they went to such crazy yeah. detail like every mm. wall all the wooden paneling every yeah, desk it's... everything on the desks like everything it's falls f- apart it, it seems like a physics nightmare honestly it, it yeah. seems like so many things could break in so yeah. many different places right. like but it, it i think ray tracing like people are like oh it's a visual effect whatever but the thing that got me was when when nvidia first announced it they had a developer from 4a games uh, the metro guys there mm. and they were like hey we can design levels around this like we can put an enemy in a a roof that is obscured uh, completely because of the way the light works and immediately everyone was like, well, they're not going to do that because it won't work on console. But now if every platform is conforming to ray tracing, you can have levels designed around the capabilities of that. Right. And that is fascinating. That, that is going to be very cool because I, I think one of the biggest things that ends up being, at least traditionally, I think it's it's maybe less so now, is is like you say, like the, the consoles and PC not having parity in some way sort of limits what you're able to do because yeah. I feel like games don't get developed uh, exclusively or primarily for PC anymore mm-hmm. just because the console base being what it is um, but yeah like you said like if, if we can sort of go in knowing that all of these consoles are going to deliver on a sort of a comparable level of quality in some of these areas mm-hmm. then it just it gives you so much more opportunity as a developer to like exploit that on all platforms mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's, it's the same with the uh, the faster um, the SSDs the proprietary SSDs because right. it lets you make well, bigger worlds levels, that are bigger yeah. or like moving through those levels at a faster rate. If everyone, because PCs can do this, like everyone's like, oh, SSDs are beaten on PC forever. But all that's really translated to is shorter loaded time. Sure. Because yeah. the games can't capitalize on that. Right. Now that they will, I think you're going to see, inc- I mean, that, that Spider-Man demo that Sony showed off where they're like, hey, this is what it would look like on a PS4. Right. It's like immediately like, oh, this mm. changes the way games are developed well, right? yeah, yeah. games are designed differently because they, developers know that oh we can actually do this with that in mind with right. well RTX and the faster load times now so I think just on those two alone I mean like the, the jump between PlayStation 3 and 4 was yeah the PlayStation 4 for example is more powerful but it wasn't like a wow holy shit as mm-hmm. it was with PS2 to PS3 like that is a distinctive jump you're totally. like whoa these games are so much bigger they look more lifelike I think this will be that with RTX alone it's like damn Games are so lifelike now, and we're probably going to hit a thing like this is a this is a ceiling. We can't go better. <laughs> it always happens. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten years, like oh wait, there's this new technology that does this. Right. It's just yeah. Yeah, it's always curious to think like what because at some point, like say, we, we're almost reaching a point where you know once a game is photoreal, like what else is there from mm. the graphical perspective? Mm. But what I'm excited to see is what we can enable. Um, from like a systems perspective, right? Mm. Like what the the new performance allows us to do maybe for like AI, uh, you mm. know, like the behavior of like enemies in games or just more mm. complex systems or more increased physics or uh, uh, puzzles or mechanics that rely on physics in sort of more elaborate ways. Because like, cause you need a lot more CPU yeah. power yeah, around for exa- the AI and physics calculations. Right, exactly. And, like, that, so. and like traditionally more of that has been devoted towards the graphics end of it, but now it's almost just like a... Uh, it's a baseline almost mm. that the games will look amazing. So what else can what we else can do? Yeah. yeah, and that that's what I think Control does so well is like it is a visually stunning game, but it's also doing things with its setting and its writing that like it doesn't matter what the game looked like. Yeah. that stuff would still be exceptional. Right, right, exactly. Like the 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 thing that sort of struck me that's so good in Control is just how 
how cohesive the whole thing felt as like an office building. Like you just believed mm. it because of like all the memos that people yeah. were sending yep. and just like the every book club room, thing. Right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and how like every room has like a toilet, which is yes. like the nothing yeah. in it, but it's just like, it's such a nice touch. Cause like, it, it feels natural. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels natural. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it also surprises me. Like you, you mentioned uh, return of the Oberdin was one of your favorite games. And that is one that Lucas Pope specifically made. Like it looks, what did he call it? One bit or something. Uh, it's got like one yes. color palette. Oh, sure. essentially. Exactly. And it's like, it just shows that like, yes, visual fidelity is something, but that game is extraordinary without that. Yeah. Um, like game design permeates through the visual fidelity of games. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, well, I mean, one of the things I find like that's so funny and fascinating about Oberdin is that he, he put so much work into making that game look lo-fi. Like, yes. Because mm. it's like, you know, it's running a full 3D engine and using a rendering system that he's very cleverly developed it's some incredible shader technology yeah exactly going on there, but yeah. it just looks like you know it's made to look like an apple 2 game or whatever yeah um but but yeah I, I think that it's that's exactly the sort of stuff i'm talking about it's like now that we've now that we have nothing more to prove with graphics it's almost like well what can what else can we prove like what mm. else can we do mm. and i feel like mm. what i love about these other genres that are starting to like open up and i feel like this generation has been good for like new genres coming mm. to the forefront feels like exactly that it's like we're not let's not push like the graphics fidelity like that's not as important anymore mm. like let's explore other systems other, and other I, I think that's the message that gets lost because when you i mean console marketing is is it is what it is phil spencer knows that he's got to come out and say this is the most powerful console yeah this is the most you're going to get the best looking games here because that's what that's what the general public totally. looks at. Yeah, like. and, and I mean, don't get me wrong, like that's still so important, mm. like you say, from a attracting people to your game perspective. And mm. certainly, obviously, like at Naughty Dog, it's not something we... we uh, no, no, your games look terrible. Yeah, 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 my games look like horrible. They look horrible. But like, it's still something that I think is going to be super important for bringing you into a world and making you feel engaged with it. Like the more that, you know, the more that the visual look of the game can sort of get out of the way and just allow you to feel like you're in a world obviously mm. the better and yeah I, i'm excited to see what, what that means when it mm. comes to like some of these these new games next year well you i mean you guys are launching last of us 2 in may um but before then there's a bunch of games coming out what are some of the ones i mean you're going to be working hard up until launch but yeah. you'll still get time to play games uh yeah i, I hope so at least <laughs> but yeah like, naughty dogs uh, neil druckman's not coming to your desk yeah, like, exactly no. <laughs> um uh let me think uh cyberpunk yeah, is a big one. That's yeah. March, right? No, that's, that's uh, end of twentieth of April, I think. It oh, okay, is. yeah. So that that I'm excited for. That's going to be my my big new PC purchase. I mean, Ooh. as in like I will be building a PC for Cyberpunk. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm excited for that. You never got to see. Oh, okay, well, I guess they released all the gameplay stuff online because I know you attended E3 a few yeah. times. No, but... I did see the behind closed door <clears> demo. Oh, did you go yeah, to the demo? I okay. did. Yeah. Was it, it this year or last year? Um, did you go? Because they did both years. I did it last year, not the first one. Not so you the... got the statue. I, I the statue. Because if you watch the behind closed doors, they gave people statues. At, so, at this at this year's one? Last year's. Oh no no sorry, I'm getting confused. I mean this year's one. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got the jacket. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, but um, the no, why didn't you get a jacket? You got the jacket. I got a jacket. <laughs> Damn it! I remember your jacket. I'm jealous of it. Maybe I, <laughs> I, maybe I didn't see the behind closed doors one, but I okay. saw the I saw like the I guess my, my, would have been the public access one. Oh okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Maybe but, yeah. I can't remember actually much of the floor of E3. The this point year, is you watch some. You watch. I saw some cyberpunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, no. It, it looks it looks cool. I think the thing that I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, mm. when I saw it is that it's it's Deus Ex. Like it's yes. it's yeah. literally that game. It's Deus Ex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's they, a, just on a modern platform. Th- yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're they're making a modern. 
day sex in a setting that seems really, really cool and mm. sort of vibrant and colorful. With a bit more shooter focus, yeah, I think. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm just shocked it's coming out to this gen. I really thought it was going to be a next gen yeah, yeah. thing. It, yeah, yeah. It doesn't I was shocked, look. Yeah. I, mean, I guess like if they're pushing because it's exclusively PC at the beginning, right? Or is it not? No, 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 no. It's console as well. That's the thing because I thought immediately when I first saw the demo, they were talking about oh, we are simulating all these people and they're running routines and whatever. the GTA talk, yeah. you know? And it's like, how? man, like, how are they doing yeah. this? Yeah. Because the CPUs on this console are historically, like, much lower power than they should be. Sure. And the next consoles are really going to push that. Mm. But I know they did speak about possibly bringing it to next-gen consoles. I think they would be I crazy think they would, not to. Yeah. <laughs> but just the fact that it is going to run... Because that gameplay demo, the moment when you walk out into the city and you see all these people walking, it looks dense. Like, yeah. No, all these people have... And it is, it's a GTA talk. Like, mm. Everyone's got their own agenda. Got blah, 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 blah. Mm. But my first was like, okay, that's either PC exclusive and then next-gen consoles. Right. But then they gave the release date to April and it's like... Mm. But okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I, I wonder what that means. Like, Because they've not showed like console footage at all at this point right mm, yeah no, all the times means, they've been showing pc yeah PC, they'll just be like some reduced fidelity some maybe yeah. crowd density i don't know i don't know i that studio also i mean when they brought it uh the witcher 3 it was also like how it was, a, it was like a, yeah. a casual flex of like hey <laughs> yeah <laughs> we made the witcher 3 work on switch you can make cyberpunk work on ps4 yeah no that, that's so. true i mean they definitely i did i did see yesterday that they reached a new deal with the writer of the witcher Series oh, yeah? about rights for games going forward. Interesting. So, so yeah. wait, what does that mean for for the Witcher games? Like, as I the- assume because I, I remember the writer having a huge yeah, issue yeah. with the <laughs> amount of money that they they paid him and what they earned from it. Yeah. So I don't know. I just saw a headline that they had reached a new deal with him for licensing going forward. Okay. So I assume that means they're still pursuing more Witcher mm. stuff. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of The Witcher, you guys watched the? the I haven't watched it yet. I haven't either. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. A lot of people I work with really enjoyed it. So, okay. And they are people who have read the books. Okay. So I'm like, okay, cool. Then That's I get really encouraging. For whatever reason, <clears throat> I was just like so apprehensive that it was going to be terrible. But yes. like early buzz being good, that's great. Have mm. you read some of the books? I haven't at all, no. I've There's a contingent of people on the internet who I'm pretty close to that will hate me for saying this. But like I've still not even played any of the way That's actually not true. I played half of the first game like forever ago. Wow. Mm. I've not played The Witcher 2 or 3 <gasps> yet. I know. Offended. I know. I'm and offended. someone that like this will rave about yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, here I am raving about classic RPGs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I that, that is something I want to. Oh, man, who has the time? I, I want to try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. In 2020, you know. <laughs> I promise I will at least start. Because the thing that's awful with me is. I still have this nagging feeling in my brain that I can't do The Witcher 2 until I finish The Witcher 1, which I would, mm, I, I'm not going to yeah. go back and play I The disagree, Witcher 1 yeah. at this point, but like, I, I know I'm not going to play The Witcher 3 until I play The Witcher 2, because I know that, people at least yeah. like The Witcher 2 a The Witcher lot. 2 is phenomenal. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, at the very least, I need to... because uh, And also, it's much shorter, right? Uh, yeah, it's like three three condensed chapters. Okay. Yeah. It's much shorter than The Witcher 3. Because yeah. that, that's the thing that's so daunting about almost every game that comes it's out too long. in 2019 yeah. is they're all 100 mm. hours long. Um, that's why I had this huge sigh when they were talking about Gears Tactics at the Video Game Awards and they were like, 40-hour campaign. I was like, no, why? <laughs> right. Who wants that? Right. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, it, it, whenever a game comes out and they're just like 10 hours, I'm like, yes, yeah. I'm on board, I'm there. <laughs> Outer Worlds is like 20-hour RPG. I was like, sweet, yeah, yeah I can get, I, that's digestible. I can do that. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but Witcher 2 is, I mean, it came out the same year as Skyrim and everyone's like, oh, Skyrim is the best. And I'm like, guys, you missed out the better RPG that you're like. That really... actually makes me sad because I sung 50 hours into Skyrim and you've hated <sighs> almost every Witcher moment. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't 2. like Skyrim and The Witcher 2 I've played, I think, like three times. It's mm, this is incredible. Hate me. I've never played Skyrim. That's fun. So, it's it's fun. fine. It's, I, it's I 100% fine. Exactly. Yeah, You'll so, get people that be like, oh my God, you I missed know. the best RPG of this generation. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I go to RPGs for stories and Skyrim is not that game. Yeah. Like, it's, and this is uh, someone that like would have raved about Morrowind like when it came. I never really got into Oblivion, but like I freaking loved Morrowind. So I, I was like chomping at the bit for Skyrim and I just... I, I don't yeah, know. I, but, Skyrim was my first exposure to Elder Scrolls because I, you know, getting into games especially writing everyone talks about oblivion and i never played oblivion mm -hmm. so i was like okay cool i'm ready to start the skyrim thing yeah. i was like is this is, is this it like, like is everyone's fascination with arrows yeah i was just like <laughs> but, but the same thing was also like one of my favorite rpgs is fallout 3 and if you think about it fallout 3 and skyrim are the same game like they have different settings but they function according to the same template yeah. okay so that i can love fallout 3 and not loathe but i really dislike skyrim is like a weird thing that people can't put together so I don't know. It, you should play Witcher 2. That, I'm going to make a point of it next year. And re I started reading the first book this year. Okay, um, the first book's cool. Yeah, the first two books are short stories, mm. um, which are really nice and palatable. So, and they're really good. Yeah, I finished the first book and yeah, really good. Okay. Really, really good. Uh, people complain about the translations. I haven't found issues I with it yet. I thought it was really nicely written. So I was like, whoever mm. translated I think they did a good job. Have you read all of them? <laughs> I've only read the first book as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because second book is short stories and then there's three books after, after which yeah. is like Geralt's arc. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, the series is adapted mainly from the book. So I think mm. that's why people initially took issue with some of the changes. But after reading it, I'm like, oh, yeah, but I can see why they're doing that. There are some it. reviews out there and it's from people who have only played the game. Like, no, you guys mm. need to make this. The game takes it's, it's two big liberties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The game takes the overall feel and the characters, but kind of like fills in all those other yeah. blanks. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, so um, definitely worth doing both. Yeah, yeah it's sure. going to be interesting actually because as someone that like only has the vaguest um, association with the, like, the first game and I don't even really remember it and mm. hasn't read the books, mm. I'm, I'm probably going to be jumping in with a series like today or tomorrow so all <laughs> <are> these people <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's going on? which is like the yeah the weirdest thing is a someone who loves fantasy books and mm. video games and the witcher series <laughs> is gonna be my first exposure to it mm. uh but uh, yeah that's how it goes it was just really weird driving past um uh, and city yesterday yeah, and, and like that massive yeah. plaster thing of like the witcher and i'm like that's a great timeline yeah. I, I like this time it's it's good yeah yeah when, I mean, when one of the, uh, our biggest games this generation is like now netflix series even though it's not based on yeah. games but still that is being touted as there, the next yeah. thing but yeah. but, and also let's be honest that the games are the reason that the series exists 100 yeah. percent. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah the series would not exist if it wasn't popularized by the games right. and i think cd project red struck gold by getting the rights to that when they did mm. it's just like it feels like HBO getting the rights to Game of Thrones sure. TV yeah. series. Like, right. I had never heard of the book series prior right. to that. So, and I think I don't think that's the case for everyone, but I think a lot of people mm. didn't know about that. So, right. so uh, Uncharted movie. When's that happening? God, I wish I knew. Like, <laughs> if, it seems yeah. like no one knows. You've yeah. watched it already, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen like twenty different versions of it at this point. I Jesus think. Christ, <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, it feels like there's. I, I don't know it changes hands like every other I think right now they've got a director and they've got like Tom Holland as a young Nathan Drake yeah. and the, the funny thing is they've got um, 
Uh, Mark Wahlberg was meant to be oh, Nathan Drake, yeah. and now he's Sully, Sully or something yes. else. Like, which is it's like what? The I fuck? remember, like, I think yeah. it was the Kotaku headlines. Like, this movie's been in development so long. Yeah, <laughs> that the Nathan Wahlberg. Drake actor is now Sully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah. yeah, that that's amazing. Like, I, I mean, look, I'm I'm excited for that. I'm I'm surprised. I've always been surprised at that. Uh, story genre like mm. the Indiana Jones pulp action adventure mm. like hasn't been done more by I definitely film think it's like games. it's ripe for a movie like yeah. you could definitely mm. make a good movie about this it's puzzling that it's taking so long like uh, I mean un- every Uncharted game is just like in my opinion just playing through an awesome movie totally, like, really well, totally yeah, yeah. Mm. and that's the thing is like I feel like I- I'm surprised that no one just ran with like ripping off Uncharted to make a movie basically mm. at some point in the past because it does feel like it's just it's such a good template for telling cool stories. Or they're like, hey, we're going to make another national treasure and just call it Uncharted. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Indiana Jones 5. Let's make Nicolas Cage <laughs> Nathan Drake though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. oh, yeah. <laughs> but this does feel like the closest we've been to it actually happening. Now. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. It, I think it's super weird the angle they're taking with like a young Nathan Drake but that was also yeah. some of my favorite parts in... See, they all congeal a bit. I think that was in it's, 4. When there's there was a bit in 3 as well. Um, there's a little yeah, bit in 3, yeah, where you first met Sully. There's, yeah. a, there's a bit in 3. There's a chunk more in 4. Because that's yeah. where you're meeting it's Sam. More, yeah, exactly. yeah, brother, yeah. 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 That's, it's, God damn. it's good. I mean, look, I like Tom Holland. I like Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. He's a good, he's he's a a good actor. Great, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a, he'll be a great. He's a good yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be weird when Nathan Drake starts zipping around like two <laughs> webs and shit. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's canon now. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, did you play for? He has the grappling hook. Oh, Same yeah, thing, amazing. man. Same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, and when Scorpion Hook comes in to take the treasure from him, <laughs> oh, that's, that's gonna be a whole experience. Wow. <laughs> oh God. Um. Yeah, this is uh, this was a great podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, of course, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank for you for me. so much insight. We didn't get you fired at all, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. this is good. I hope not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for a job. Yeah, I'm looking uh, for a job. I mentioned uh, the PS5 yeah. and like we cut out all the it. stuff I said about Last of Us Three. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. The okay, cool, 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 cool. No, last last Legacy was Uncharted Five. We on six now. No, but this was awesome. Thank you so much for. Uh, coming on the podcast. Of course, yeah. Um, I know you do a board game podcast. Do you want to just yes. plug that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so we actually just recently passed our 100th episode. I saw which, you somehow beat yeah. us, which is strange. Wait, did, I, you, did you guys start after I us? I swear we started after you. Or no, I swear we started before you. I thought it was a little bit after us. but Okay, but maybe, maybe then that makes but sense because I saw you 100 and I was like, what? How did that happen? These yeah, dudes I mean, are cheating. Two episodes <laughs> a week. No, no, because we've been pretty like consistently one a week. So yeah, it's basically almost two years at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's a board game podcast. We talk about the stuff that we've been playing. Like, I'm a, not, I wouldn't say recent. I've been playing board games for about eight years now. Um, the industry is just blown up crazy. I feel like everyone's talking about board games years. now. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely wild. And, like, it, it's the, the crossover with people that are into video games is, like, so high. Like, mm. I, if you've not picked up a modern board game, then by all means, like, you know, find one that gets recommended a lot and just go with it because you'd be surprised at like how far board games have come since mm. Monopoly, basically. Which it, I feel is what everyone still thinks. <laughs> that's a board game that's is. exactly the thing. They're like, I hate board games. I hate yeah. Monopoly. It's like, mm. no, yeah. that's not it. I do yeah. remember on the one visit, uh, you were playing like a hotel. It was like a hotel management board game. I can't remember. I came Mon- in. You Monopoly. guys were still playing. And I was just like watching and I was like, this looks fucking cool. I, yeah. I can't remember what uh, it was. I think, yeah, it's like, I think it's called like Grand Austria Hotel. I mean, yeah. It's a game about running a hotel. Yeah. Which is, it oh, reminded me of the Grand Budapest Hotel, <laughs> but in like a board game form. Right, and right. I was like, okay, cool. I can get on board with this. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, unlike actually, even unlike video games, like board games just go 
pretty weird with their themes, I it's would a say. Different, like, there are different opportunities for board games. I think that, so. That can scratch itches that like video games can never Definitely, do, definitely. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's been fun. It's like me and two friends. It's it's called Board Game Barrage. It's it's been it's been a lot of fun. It, it's been cool because I think we've uh, we've gotten to the point now where it's just we're growing such a fun community and it's just mm. it's, a, it's yeah. A I've bunch seen you've been invited to some some expos and cons. That's very yeah, cool. we, we which is of, awesome. We we ended up talking at um, like the Shut Up and Sit Down convention, which is like oh. one one of the biggest. They're, they're one of the biggest like players in the board game space. So it was just like a very cool like opportunity. That's for us. awesome. It was, it was rad. Yeah, it's cool. it's really cool. And like whenever I've because um, now I'm, <laughs> I keep. We have like a, a board game evening at the uh, company I work at like every month. And uh-huh. There's a lot of people there. And I was like, oh, shit, everyone actually likes board games. So I generally shuffle them towards your podcast because I know they crave that sort of content. And mm. even though it's growing and growing, I feel like it's not as mainstream as it could be. Still, it, Definitely. Mm. Like it does feel like it, it's funny because when you start talking about the media landscape of both industries, like board games is a drop in the bucket compared to video games. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like it's growing. It's one of the most rapidly growing, like mm. all, all the biggest projects on Kickstarter are without yeah, yeah, board games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nowadays. Cause I feel like they can also be delivered far more consistently than the lofty ideas of like video games. Yeah. yeah. Although that's a whole thing in the board game industry right now where sometimes Already? they just don't deliver on them. Oh, but no. like, yeah, <laughs> it, so it's it reaching that point as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're, they're getting closer and closer than, you know, more close together than you'd think. I still get these Kickstarter updates from a game I backed, I think about five years ago. <laughs> and it's like, always like, like hey, we, we just doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand it and I understand the risk I took, but I'm also like, Jesus, <laughs> like what the hell? Um, I did forget that we actually asked yeah, people to send questions. questions. Yeah, We have so. a couple of you. So before Oh, away. absolutely, yeah. So, would you mind answering a couple? No, by, no. By blink, all blink means. twice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Session five exists. You <laughs> <laughs> <It> blinked. <laughs> so we have um, two questions from Best underscore Bash. He says, "What is your what was your favorite Naughty Dog project and project you worked on in general?" Um, the one I sort of have, I think, the best memories of. Uh, I would say probably Uncharted Four, mm. uh, because for a couple of reasons, like I. I I think I, I always saw Uncharted 2 as the sort of gold standard because it was a game I worked on before yeah. I started the studio. So I, I don't feel like I have any... Um, is it still your favorite Uncharted to like play? Well, here's the thing. Okay. is that Even, like I said, when you play a game that you've worked on, it's hard to feel that close to it. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed playing Uncharted 4 okay. because it was a game that was so big in scope. There was so much of it that I just didn't know about. So some of like the really big open areas, I didn't really work on at all. And I was just like, this is really novel and really cool to like have mm. like linear spaces intermixed with like open spaces mm-hmm. and i just mm-hmm. i thought the story was to me like one of the more emotive like yeah it was definitely really yeah. good um so i i really appreciated that so and then it also has some of my favorite stuff that i worked on like stuff like the the sandbags that thing's so cool yeah. yeah um uh yeah i would say that's that's been my favorite project it was it was a tough project like it had a lot of a lot of sort of trying time sort of in the middle of it but uh, I think especially with he- Amy Hennig exactly, leaving yeah. and like the whole shift Amy's yeah. departure the shift in focus in the game like almost like the the redevelopment of the game in some ways from the ground up it, it was it was a big project just even without the problems but it's rewarding it, yeah, exactly I'm, I'm obviously I came away super happy with, mm. with what the end, end product ends up being um, yeah I would say that that's cool and your favorite non-Naughty Dog production uh, like video game wise at all uh, well up to you movie Anything. or video game you decide uh, let's go with video game I would say that my favorite traditionally when I've given this answer and it's changed a little bit over the years but like I think Deus Ex is, which is one of the reasons the I'm so excited one? about Cyberpunk so, yeah, yeah, because, okay. De- okay. the original Deus Ex um, is 
probably one of my favorite mm. games ever. Yeah. I mean, when that game came out, that was also is uh, that like War Inspector. Yes. yes, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that came out at a time as well in PC gaming where I think it just did a lot of new things. It was just yeah. so open, so much to do. Totally. There's like a um, a small thing that I always like to say when I would describe Deus Ex to people, and it's actually funny if it's like our mutual friend Ludwig Kitzman. He said oh, this yes, about yes, Deus yes. Ex. That, and he said this a long time ago, so it maybe applies less. But Deus Ex, still like 10 years after its release, felt feels ahead of its time mm -hmm. like it, i think a lot of games have caught up to what deus ex yeah. was doing but there was a point in time for like a whole decade there was this amazing example of a game that was doing like an open narrative an open exploration and no other games are exploring it that too. it's like why why aren't more people trying to do this mm. it's like it mm. felt like this whole like exciting avenue for you to be able to do play a game the way you wanted to play it mm. and discover or, and touch as much of the story as you wanted to um, and in some ways, like games still haven't reached the a lot of games still haven't yeah, reached that, the highs that Deus Ex. I think I think that shows also just how complex that system is. It's like when Shadow of Mordor came out and the Nemesis system happened, and everyone's like, "Oh, this thing's just going to be ripped off." That's like, a great example. It's as well, like, yeah. what the hell? It hasn't happened yeah. yet. Like, is it that complex, or can people not apply it to the ideas that they're having? Or yeah, I don't know. No, yeah. It's hard to say. It just feels like one mm. of those things that's just rife for like imitation. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Deus Ex is is phenomenal still is i think the uh the reboots that um i just uh, came out with were really good yeah um but they don't hit those same totally bars. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think human revolution captured some of what i liked about yeah i definitely preferred life. human revolution over uh what was it mankind, mankind divided? divided yeah that one yeah. never really struck yeah. with me at all um but yeah, that's a good example. It's good. Yeah, I feel like Dishonored has gotten close to the ballpark yes, of what yes. you know that period of time onwards. We're starting to like get and obviously cyberpunk. Like the immersive said, sim is. type of yeah. Uh, did you play Prey at all? I didn't. It's I really good. want to. It's yeah. pretty good. It's um, I mean, if you're looking for a good immersive sim, it's it definitely scratches that cool. itch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems way up my alley. I just mm. never got around to it. I mean, who has the time? Those <laughs> <laughs> backlogs are real. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Jeez. Okay, we've got a bunch of questions from. An avid listener, Megs, but I'm going to go through a couple of them. You said, what's for lunch with Naughty Dog Nika? Uh, what are we having <laughs> for lunch? We're going to uh, Yaya's. Yeah, Greek place. It's very good. It's really good. I'm do you excited. like Greek food? I do like Greek food. Do you like ice cream? I like ice cream. Okay, because there's, there's a great ice cream, cream right down <laughs> okay, the road. Fantastic. Well, so we're going to go there. So we, we, the reason you ask because we have our own favorites that we often go to. So there's a Portuguese place called Princesa. Okay. Where I like lived at for when I lived with my Well, mom. you lived down the road from I lived so down the road. That so that's kind of yeah. a... Yeah. I mean, you don't live down the road from it anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting question. He says, do the Sony bought developers get together for a day out once a year for food and entertainment? Huh. Because uh, a lot of you guys are in Santa Monica. Mm. Well, so it's us. And, so Sony Santa Monica, weird enough, isn't actually in Santa Monica anymore. But they're, they're close by. They're, <laughs> they're in like um, what's it's called Playa del Rey, I think. Oh. Is, is like technically where they are. But it's close. So they, Corey's lying to us. Pretty much. Well, they, they yeah. used to be in Santa, in Santa Monica. <laughs> but, but like... Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I know people at that studio and obviously there's a lot of cross-pollination between mm. the studios, between projects. Um, but no, surprisingly not as much like just sitting down and talking shop. I do remember uh, when I met some of your, your friends in Santa Monica, like some of them worked at Insomniac yeah. and now when I saw them again this year, now they're working at Santa Monica. So there's like this cross-pollination. Definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah. The industry is like that. Like t typically like at the end of a project, people are either like, well, what's the next big project? I want yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of contract work, obviously. So people aren't, are just on for the duration. But it's cool that a lot of it seems, especially Sony centric is in LA. Cause I mean, now Insomniac's a Sony studio and they're mm -hmm. in Burbank. Yeah. Uh, so that's not too far away. No, so. definitely. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That's cool. It's interesting. Yeah. Just like this last <laughs> question from Megs. He says, what are the chances of you getting a job for Alessandro North <laughs> Even if it means being a garbage man. Oh, man. So. <laughs> I do Listen. need a new personal assistant. I have asked Neilan in the past, like when I've looked at, because I always keep tabs with the job openings and stuff like that. And I say, hey, you know, what are the odds, this and that? Because it all depends on the, mm. the position as that, well. That, that's yeah. exactly it. Like, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it depends so much of where we are in the project. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. And, and I think when it comes to my set of skills, my set of skills is programming and programmers are a dime a dozen. It's not as specialized as I think something that you do. I think finding a games programmer is fairly easy in the States, which makes it difficult for them to find a reason to bring someone else in yeah. from yeah, that, that, another country. I think that's the thing that <clears throat> that I feel like everyone in South Africa is unfortunately struggling with right yeah. now is just the idea that like how the hurdles you have to jump through yeah. just to get a visa. And it's become oh, harder yeah. over the past yeah, few years. Exactly. So like yeah. I, I was I was lucky in that I have a British passport which I was told like accelerated the process a oh. lot. So. Yeah, I have a Portuguese one, but even then it's oh, like right. it's like the, the 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 case of and I think you explained this to me. It's like they have to put out job applications for people in the states for your position yeah mm-hmm. and it's like super weird because it's like this is the weirdest thing i discovered about yeah about the green card process mm-hmm. is that they have to re-advertise your job and like be like well right. we couldn't find someone local in the states uh, so yeah. Now, yeah but i mean i suppose that you're a cool case study because you you came in with a very specialized or specific set of yeah abilities like, and- like exactly i think i was very much like i said like right right place right mm-hmm. time for that because it was it's just such specific software and such mm-hmm. specific skill set at the time that daughter dog was looking for to be more like film basically yeah. yeah and i think like i mean the reason i haven't i mean I'm, i've stopped applying because i understand now that if you're going to be moving over somewhere it needs to be someone who has a lot of experience as well mm-hmm. like they are not going to take grads like there is absolutely no way a student from overseas will invest the money into a brand new grad with no experience so I think if anyone, like, this is good advice for anyone who is here and looking at that, you need to work up yeah. something. But I right. say with you, it is really cool that you didn't have to, not that you didn't have to work your way up, but I mean, you landed at Naughty Dog. You didn't have to sort of go indie, indie, double A, right. triple mm-hmm. A. You, Naughty Dog's like one of the most prestigious developers. Yeah, no, world, I, so. I was definitely like super fortunate. Like, because, yeah, because like, I, I don't think, I, I don't know how often it happens that, you know, people mm. make the jump between industries like yeah. that. But like, yeah, to go out of one industry and into, into another, another yeah. at, at Naughty Dog was like. And then also in a position that is like useful for each project. It's yes. not like you are developing tools for the next game. Mm, right, know? right, okay. exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. I know writers are a dime a dozen, but if you're looking for a writer for one chart at five, I know this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave, leave you guys with this, this zinger of a question slash statement. So this is from John Michael Michael. He says, you guys mentioned the Hollow Earth conspiracy theory last week. So we, I briefly mentioned it that there are people, so we're talking about flat earthers okay. and there are people who believe that the earth is actually, the earth is actually hollow. Oh, do you remember this? Okay. So he said, I consider myself a connoisseur of reading stupid shit. <laughs> might, might I interest you in a little conspiracy called Birds Aren't Real? You what? guessed it, birds were government-made drones this whole time. Happy holidays. <laughs> this one I believe. So those hardy dogs flying over. Yeah. They're yeah. actually using their, their sonar echo sensors exactly. to like ping our location. It's suspiciously <laughs> timed. Like what bird would actually make a call like that? I, thought, I thought the aeroplane chemtrails thing was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but now... This is a new top That's runner. A new like, top ten. Yeah. Oh boy. Also, this bird in the window has been watching me the entire the time, time. Oh podcast. So. Oh god! Okay, recording you, <laughs> analyzing your voice exactly. for clues on the PS5. Yeah, <laughs> That's how. That's how the government. Wait, works. it's got an Xbox load on it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Phil. Why? <laughs> how did he know? 
you guys think it's an Xbox it's actually Nintendo I've been watching the whole time <laughs> oh it's just a direct <laughs> feed to Reggie yeah everyone's got their eyes on the PS5 and the Xbox but let me tell you Reggie's been planning the whole time their next Nintendo console Reggie the guy who doesn't work in Nintendo yeah, anymore <laughs> that's what he wants you that's to say yeah exactly Ooh, well played Doug, Doug Bowser's actually just a, who's a, a puppet okay <laughs> yeah but cool thank you so much for joining us of course we yeah really really bunch of fun this, yeah. yeah bunch of fun and um yeah and it's been insightful as well like it's fascinating i mean inside that uh, not even just in south africa i think it's just always interesting to hear developers and the process and just mm. some insights into studios oh cool yeah like one of my favorite things of any game is just like a good example for me is stardew valley the the fact that one person made that and you have to mm. sit and think they did the the visuals the audio this and that i just love how games come together and it's so cool to hear how you know you're an insider uh-huh. so it's just very it never doesn't sound like magic to no me, right? it always yeah. just sounds like your job is magic this should not so. be possible and yet it <laughs> consistently is yeah. yeah have you guys read jason Schreier's book yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. anyone listening that, like i would recommend yeah, that, that, like, that's heartily. what gave me the insight into it is like just seeing the behind the scenes of and Stardew Valley is one of those yes exactly that's what reminded me how did this game get made by one person like I can't wrap my head around it and then obviously the Mm. flip side how did this massive game ever come to see the lights of day because it sounded like impossible and it still did so I think I've always said to you I I think games as a culture would be better if everyone kind of understood the The way it was built yeah and like I think Shry's book is a great it, it isn't like preachy or isn't like too low level that you don't understand it, but it gives you the idea of this is hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. This is really difficult. And like, the fact that we get these games at all is, is kind of a miracle. Yeah. Actual yeah. sorcery. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, people bitch and moan about apps and apps are a microcosm compared to how game design works right. as an art form. So, yeah, this has been really cool. Um yeah, and we'll hopefully I'll get to see you in June when I head to E3 yeah, for again. The, the week, uh, sorry, the yearly pilgrimage. I mean, I hope I, every year, every year I go into the year going. I don't think I'm going to go to E3 this year, and so far that hasn't happened for like four years. So we'll see. What <laughs> even is E3 anymore? Yeah, what is yeah what is E3 anymore? Yeah. Especially, I think this year's going to be cool with all the new consoles. I'm going to the Switch too. I'm calling it. Are you calling the Vita too? Yeah. Oh, the Vita too. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So, Sony took all the LED screens from the last Vitas and made that weird attachment to the controller with an LED screen okay, now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they've done with it that's your Vita <laughs> too I'm, I'm ready <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much cool. Neelan of course um, guys yeah, yeah have a great trip back and your time here with family mm. yeah, yeah thanks. and good luck with the rest of The Last of Us too mm. thank you very much yeah mm. straight back mm. into cool. it when I get back enjoy, yeah. enjoy the crunch um, I look forward to playing it <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, super I'm, excited I'm excited to hear what you guys think I'm about super it. excited to play it yeah for everyone listening thanks so much we'll have one more episode next week yeah and then we'll, and then we'll next year. yeah be done for next year mm. awesome yeah. thanks so much Bye-bye. cheers yeah.